The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to stop focusing on business problems and start focusing on the growth and leadership of your business. Welcome to The Business Edge with your host, Marsha Zeidel. Learn from savvy, street-smart entrepreneurs how to make the leap from running a stressful business that's always putting out fires to leading a successful company that is innovative, productive, profitable. Now, here's Marsha Zeidel. Welcome to The Business Edge, giving street-smart advice to entrepreneurs and business leaders on how to take their company, firm, or organization to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to create and grow great businesses that matter, those that do well and do good. I'm Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves coach and speaker, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to move from innovative startup to productive scale-up to profitable enterprise. My motto is, if you do what you always did, you will get what you always got. Therefore, move outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. So let's start right now to bring some magic to your leadership and business. Today's program is, what matters in being entrepreneurial? Your aspirations, behaviors, and self-confidence. In November 2009, Goldman Sachs launched the 10,000 Small Businesses Initiative, a $500 million five-year commitment aimed at boosting job growth in the United States. The initiative was modeled on 10,000 Women, a Goldman Sachs global initiative that was started earlier in helping women business owners around the world create value. My guest is Patricia Green, who serves as the academic director of both these programs. She is the Paul T. Babson Chair in Entrepreneurial Studies Babson College, where she formerly served first as Dean of the Undergraduate School and later as Provost. Dr. Green is a founding member of the Diana Project, a research group dedicated to studying women business owners and their businesses. She is a former federal appointee to the National Advisory Board for the SBA's Small Business Development Centers. Finally, she loves to talk about entrepreneurship. And, and the changing the way the world does business with anyone who will listen. Welcome, Patty. I'm sure we're going to have many folks listening to your insights. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, thank you, Marcia. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Well, as an expert in entrepreneurship, what makes a difference for women in entrepreneurship? Can you talk a bit about that? I can, and I think I'll use those ABCs to talk about them because that's really the aspirations, the behaviors, and the confidence levels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, a, there's actually a lot of similarities between all kinds of entrepreneurs, and there's a lot of differences within ont- women entrepreneurs. But for the most part, one is, I, I would say there's a lack of definition uh, about aspirations. What mm-hmm. are we really trying to build here? 
Mm-hmm. There's a lot of similarity around behaviors, what do you actually have to do to grow. And then in confidence levels, that's when we need to break down because there's some areas of those behaviors that women are very confident and mm-hmm. others were definitely not so much. So, um, so what you're saying is that... Um, Talk a little more about the differences, you said, in aspirations, and then get to the confidence. And maybe we'll get into some of the behaviors as well. So what, what's the difference in aspirations? Well, aspirations are an interesting one to talk about because a lot of people don't really think about the end result when they're starting mm-hmm. their business. They know what they want to do. There's usually a passion for something they want to do in the business, but mm-hmm. less often do they think about, I want to create this, let's say, size business, or mm-hmm. I want to create a business that is regional or, or national or global, but really nailing down not just what are the aspirations for my product or service, but what are my aspirations for my business? Mm-hmm. There, there's some sense, too, that possibly women's aspirations aren't as, as large as men's, but there's not very much research on that yet. So I think that's an, an interesting question. And I, you know, I do see that. Um, and you're probably talking about me as well. Because when I started my coaching business, actually it was a training business, um, it was because I was passionate about it and because I wanted right. to do it. And uh-huh. I wanted to be my own boss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but did I have this long-term, you know, that I wanted it to be uh, regional or national or international? No. So I think you're talking a lot about women, many women, and I certainly fall into that category. Um, now let's jump to confidence. What are some of the differences that you see? Mm-hmm. Well, if we look across um, a lot of different women, and then look at women as compared to men in confidence levels, mm-hmm. usually women report being less confident about things related to managing their capital, right. you know, those types of things. Mm-hmm. Now, let's be sure. It doesn't mean that they don't do it just as well as the men. It just means they report being less confident about, the, than the, about their numbers than the men are. So I think there's a perception thing there that's, that's really important. In some ways, it reminds me of the catalyst research that mm-hmm. shows that you know, men are promoted on basically aspirations where women are promoted on what they've already accomplished. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just a different way of looking at things and thinking about what I can really do and what I need to be able to do. You know, what came to my mind as you were talking is the phrase, uh, fake it until you make it. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about that. You know, now, you know, obviously, as, as entrepreneurship educators, we would like you to get to that make it part pretty quickly so there doesn't have to be so much faking. <laughs> but it is a matter of, of understanding that you don't have to have all the answers. You just need to know where to get them. Aha. Right. Um, and um, do you find, because when I thought of that term, fake until you make it, my perception is, and my experience, is that men do a much better job of that than women. Women have feel that they have to have all the research, they have to have all the answers, they have to have whatever. Um, is that your perception as well? I think that's a stereotype. And I okay. think we all have a lot of experiences about that. 
But we also need to be sure that there's a lot of differences within the body of women entrepreneurs. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. there, there, there are lots of women out there who are very confident about their mm-hmm. finances. You know, they run financial service companies, they're CPAs, or they just really know their numbers inside their company. And then there's, you know, lots of women who don't, who would rather f- spend time on the, the marketing or the right. team building or that type of thing. But right. what I think what's important, thinking about both confidence and behaviors, is that it's really rare when somebody has a deep knowledge and understanding of everything that it takes to start mm-hmm. and grow a company. And... Um, what happened? Maybe you'll be getting into this a little later in this uh, our discussion, um, and I think maybe this is a good segue into how do you get that sense of competency mm-hmm. um, in all the aspects of the business? And mm-hmm. um, I I think this is a great segue, which is. Um, talking a bit about the 10,000 Small Business Owners Program, does that give the women and the men that confidence that they need to, un- to really build a business and understanding all the aspects of that, of building a business? Well, thank you for that segue. I think that is a perfect place to think about it. We actually created what we call a self-confidence checklist mm-hmm. that everybody takes before they start the program. And it's broken down not just into how confident you feel about growing, which we do ask, but we ask that question about every single task and skill it takes to start, well, in our sense, our case, to grow a business. Uh So we ask about how confident are you in developing a relationship with your banker or how comfortable are you in sharing your vision with your team? And I can give examples for, again, anything but then we designed the curriculum around that ah. so that they're doing competency-based practicing on their own business for every one of those, and it's peer-based. So it's not just them practicing. They're learning from each other. They're giving feedback to each other. And like I mentioned, you know, somebody's good at accounting, somebody's good at team, somebody's good at operations, that type of thing. Everybody has an opportunity to, to show what they know. Mm-hmm. And then to learn from others and the things that they're not so confident about. Well, can you go into some of the nuts and bolts of the um, 10,000 Small Business Owners Program? Um, you know, who, can, uh, who are the people who are part of it? How do they get involved? Um, mm-hmm. How does, does one apply to it? Uh, so that listeners can say, hey, gee, that might be interesting. I may want to do that. Well, I hope they do. So it is a growth program. It's not a startup or a turnaround. It's really about growth. Mm-hmm. You get into the program, you apply, you have to have at least four employees, be in business at least two years, and a revenue base of about 150000 on up. Okay. So again, these are businesses that are already going but want to grow. So there's, there's that segment of it. We offer it mostly through community colleges. In fact, just this week we launched our partnership with Rhode Island, the Community College of Rhode Island, as our newest ah. academic partner along with RISD, the Rhode Island School of Design. So that's our, our, our latest one. At the community colleges, Babson works with them on the curriculum and to train the faculty and the business advisors and really come together around this is not only what we teach, but how we teach it. And it's delivered through the community colleges, about 100 hours. It's nine mods, 
Uh, business owners go a full, a very full day, usually around every other week with a, a couple of evening clinics thrown in for good measure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It takes about three, three to four months to get through it. It is intense. Uh, yes, I'm familiar with the program because um, I've, um, I've been involved with the program more as um, in a, um, working with uh, Lynn O'Neill, who is mm-hmm. the lead faculty, and, and she will yeah, ask uh, mm-hmm. several of us to uh, come in and listen to their business plans, uh, give feedback to them on a variety of things. I think the last time I was there, I spoke on advisory, you know, a panel of advisory boards. Great. And one of the things I can tell you is it is a very deep, um, comprehensive program. Mm-hmm. And I, I've also talked to several of the graduates, and they kind of wipe their brow after you know, after going through <laughs> that doesn't it. Doesn't surprise me a bit. But they say they've gotten so much from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, one to, thing I wanted to add, though, Marcia, too, sure. for for people that don't live near one of the the community colleges that currently mm-hmm. offers this, we mm-hmm. do have a national blended version. Okay. Where anyone that is accepted to that program, they go online for a couple of weeks, then they all go to Babson for four days, they go mm-hmm. online for a couple of weeks, and they end up back at Babson for four days. So, in fact, we're just about to have our, our next face-to-face session of 138 business owners at Babson next week for the first, for the first part of their program. And uh, someone will always say, what's the cost of this? So... <laughs> mm-hmm. The cost is their time and dedication. That's so what I the, want. It is yes. a scholarship program. If they're accepted into the program, there is no cost for the program itself. Mm-hmm. If they're accepted into the blended pro, the national blended program, which we now have um, people who've graduated from all 50 states, the District of Columbia, and Puerto Rico, even the travel is included. Mm-hmm. However, we do ask that they attend everything. So the time is a big commitment. They complete their growth plan. They mm-hmm. are active with peer advising. Mm-hmm. They help with their measurement and evaluation. So we have mm-hmm. the data to know what's working, and they refer others so that we can really expand the, the gift. And how many um, programs do you have or places that you have this program? Because I know it's been growing, and you said the, the latest is Rhode Island. Um, it is. There's 13 physical sites across the country, and then the National Blended. Right. And you can see, they can go online and see all of this at um, 10KSB Apply. 10KSB Apply. Okay. And I know you'll talk before the, uh, uh, the end of the program, you'll give a little more information about that. So mm-hmm. is there anything else you wanted to uh, say about um, the uh, 10K Small Business Owners Program? You've, you've given a uh, you know, great overview. You've talked about uh, you know, what's involved and especially the cost is just their time and their, uh, you know, and, 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 commitment. In, yep. and commitment. Um, yep. Before we move on, is there something else that you may want to um, say about the program? Well, it is, and I think it's something I've heard you say about if you only do the same things you've been doing, you're going to get the same results. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in this program, one of the things I love about it is we push everybody to try something different. You know, we, we've got a little running joke among the faculty that if we don't make everybody feel uncomfortable at least three times, we didn't try hard enough. Because <laughs> you know, it is about 
looking at the world differently and thinking about their mindset and building their skill set from basically our definition, identifying opportunities, organizing resources, and providing the leadership to create something of value. And as the entrepreneurs, they get to decide what the value is they want to create. Uh-huh. Um, we, we have a, a, a several minutes before the break, and, um, and so you talked about the mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, what, because I've, I've read a lot about the entrepreneurial mindset, and people say, diff, you know, it has certain uh, characteristics or qualities. How would you define an entrepreneurial mindset? Opportunity obsessed. That's a very Babson-esque answer. But I really would say that it starts from that. Mm -hmm. And you bring up a good point too, Marcia, in that we don't look at are you an entrepreneur or are you not? Mm -hmm. What we look at is do you know how to be entrepreneurial? If not, let's practice some things. So it's more, much more emphasis on a behavior rather than an identity. And what would be some of those behaviors um, that we, instead of saying these are the characteristics, now you're saying it's the behavior. Give me a couple behaviors that would uh, apply to someone who is entrepreneurial. Well, there's one that I think is an occupational hazard for for all of us who own own businesses. So my cousins and I own a store called Artworks in Gettysburg, Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. We are very used to walking into everybody else's store and going, ooh, I would do this, I would do this, I would do this. But notice, it's different. It's not what's wrong with it. It's Mm -hmm. I see opportunities to do this, 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 and this. Mm -hmm. And when we talk with our business owners in 10,000 small businesses, it becomes an occupational hazard no matter what situation you walk into. You're always looking for, what's that opportunity? What is the pain point that I could solve through a new product, service, or market? Mm-hmm. So we have to be careful about not uh, extending ourselves in too many directions or too many. Is, is, oh yeah, yeah. Because not every opportunity is, is a great business venture. Right. You know, it, it sort of morphs. You know, you start with, oh, I have an idea. An idea doesn't mean it's even an opportunity. An mm-hmm. opportunity doesn't mean it's a venture. So there are checkpoints all the way along the line. And in 10,000 small businesses, we actually have a feasibility assessments that we do. That we've got a, a basically a five-point checkpoint to start. It's even more than an idea. And by the time you're a little further into it, you're doing a deep dive into, does this make sense all along the way? Mm, because you're okay. right, a, a lot of us do have what my sister calls shiny syndrome, or my cousin <laughs> calls it that too. You know, everything's shiny and new and exciting, whereas sometimes it's, it's the basics that really need the attention. Right. Well, on that note, which I can identify with the shining <laughs> syndrome, you're talking to someone who has to work on that. Um, it's time for a short break. I'm Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach, and my guest is Patty Green, talking about what matters in being entrepreneurial, your aspirations, behaviors, and self-confidence. You're listening to the Business Edge on Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. Have you heard the great news? Snelling has been awarded Best of Staffing by both clients and candidates for their remarkable service, an achievement less than 1% of all workforce solutions companies can claim. Simply put, Snelling's satisfaction scores are more than double the industry average. We call it People Plus, and you'll understand why when you give us a call. Call us at 1-800-411-6401 or visit our webpage at www.snelling.com. That's 1-800-411-6401 or or S-N-E-L-L-I-N-G dot com. Have you ever heard of someone who felt stuck in a challenging situation, feeling sideswiped by an event that took their success path off course? Glenn Ramsey, the entrepreneur blind spot coach, will help you to identify the unnoticeable reasons why you've derailed and get back on track with your KPI goals. Get realigned with success and connect with Glenn, the blind spot coach, at Glenn at InspireNexus.com to schedule your free discovery coaching session today. That's Glenn, G-L-E-N, at InspireNexus.com. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You're tuned into the Business Edge with Marsha's Idol. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at SmartMovesCoach.com. Now, back to the Business Edge. Welcome back to the Business Edge. I'm Marsha Zeidel, the Smart Moose Coach, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to grow great businesses that matter, those that do good and do well. My guest is Patty Green, talking about what matters in being entrepreneurial, your aspirations, behaviors, and self-confidence. And because Patty has done so much research on women and women entrepreneurs, I think I would like to know and I would like the listeners to know, um, how do you work with women in the program? And is it, and for my, you know, is it different than how you work with men? Mm-hmm. Well, it depends which part of the program we're talking about. So one of the favorite things we've done this year, um, actually for the 10,000 Women program, was we created a framework, a gender framework on entrepreneurship education. And we based it on work that's been done in economic development, but added in our very Babson-esque definition about those opportunities, resources, leadership, creation of value, to ask about where are the real differences, where are there stereotypes of differences, and where really aren't there any differences. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, you know, with opportunities, we use that framework to get women in 10,000 women program to talk about do they have differences in opportunities? Really? 
or do they not? Mm-hmm. What we did then was we brought that over into 10,000 small businesses. And, you know, Marcia, we didn't even talk about one of our other related programs. We actually have a version of this that we do in partnership with the Tory Birch Foundation. Oh. So there, there are times where we will offer a cohort just for women in earlier stage. And okay. we use this framework to train faculty on how to work with women entrepreneurs. Uh-huh. So that's one of the biggest things. In opportunities, we don't actually see a whole lot of differences in the classroom. But remember, these are a very specific slice of entrepreneurs. They are people that have self-identified as wanting to grow and uh-huh. have already reached you know, having four employees, which is more than the vast majority of, business, right. of businesses in the country. Right. But, the, but for the faculty to be aware of watching where differences. Um, resources, we talk a lot about differences in resources. So, for, exa- for example. Um, well, the question often comes up about money ah, you know, okay. and, and access to capital. Yes. And there's a, a lot of research to date that shows that women business owners, for the most part, aren't denied, uh, aren't denied access to capital from banks based on being a woman. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, occasionally that happens, but for the most part, there's not intentional discrimination based on gender. Right. They do, however, tend to get worse terms. Oh. So that's, you know, that's something to be aware of. Okay, okay. But there's a lot of stereotypes out there. A lot of times, too, the access to capital piece is largely based on you know, your personal credit, your mm-hmm. business credit to date, your type of business, the collateral available, how you can, you know, how you can make your case, how you present yourself as a leader. Right. All those things actually go into it as well. And so, um, so there's the differences. You're saying there isn't that much differences in opportunity, um, uh, but that it's... Um, so what other differences? Are there other differences? You know, if it's not opportunity, then what may be some differences and what are the similarities, too? Yeah. So I would say... Um, a similarity, could, I, I think there are more similarities and opportunities. How far people choose to take it, that's different. Okay. But um, I, as far as recognizing opportunities, I think that's one thing. Right. Another difference, though, and this one we don't hear talked about all that much, is that women t- generally tend to be stronger in building their teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think we often hear what we call the deficit model. If only women had this or if only women had that, then they would be, you know, just like the men in, in growing their businesses. We never hear, but you know what? They're stronger in this area, mm-hmm. you know, and therefore, what can we learn from them that everybody should think about, men and women, in right. growing businesses? Right. So... So, yes, I think this is, you know, a really great point, which is to to hone in on the strengths. And it's not just men's strengths or women's strengths. It's strengths of that person, of that entrepreneur, and how do you learn from that person? Exactly. Uh, right. Exactly. You know, it's funny. We all, And women are usually generally very strong at building the culture in their companies. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's funny, too, because a lot of times in the program – People will ask for examples from big companies, and we don't give that. We don't use a lot of large corporate examples. 
and it's funny, I can't remember which company was in the paper this morning, but they were saying that they were, it was a large company saying they wanted to completely change their culture <laughs> so they could be like a small tech company. <laughs> so it's, I, I think this might be a grass is always greener kind of thing. Right, right. Um, so it's building the culture, uh, has to do with opportunities. Mm-hmm. What else would you like to expand on, you know, as how you work with women in the program? We, we help them think about their networks. And mm-hmm. we actually do an exercise with men and women to have them map their networks. Right. And we do right. this not only in 10,000 small businesses, but we do it in a number of Babson programs, too, is that... When we look at their networks, usually the men's are almost entirely attached to work, mm-hmm. but the women's have to be different because their networks have to deal with not only work, but the rest of their lives. So it's not just who can I connect to in order to find my next big hire, mm-hmm. but it's also, and who can pick up Susan and get her to the dentist on time <laughs> for me. So literally, I think that's something that we gloss over mm-hmm. as far as maybe the businesses women building aren't as large economically, mm-hmm. but the organizations they're running, let's say that way, have a lot broader reach. You know, speaking about networking, because I do come from a career background many years ago, and mm-hmm. this was helping people in career transition, and we did look at the network, and it was both men and women, um, and try to d- differentiate between the quantity, which is the number of people, and the mm-hmm. quality. Mm-hmm. And um, there was, you know, people thought, oh, I have 100 people or a network of a thought, whatever number it is. But then mm-hmm. you have to de- go do a deeper dive. And my, you know, question I would always ask is, if you call them, email them or whatever, would you, how soon would they get back to you? <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about that? Because p- many people think, oh, I know a lot. I have a big network. But it's yeah. more than that, isn't it? Well, it's funny because Gary Becker got a Nobel Prize for his work on human capital. Mm-hmm. It's social capital. It's managing these networks. And I think too often we don't recognize it's a resource, which means it has to be managed. Right, right. Which means, we, again, in 10,000 Small Businesses, we do an exercise called the intentional network, which means not just mapping it, but like you're saying, evaluate it. The other part of that, another reason I I love the work we do with this, is that we also ask people to look at their network and say, when have you asked any of them for help? But also, Uh when have they asked you for help? Because a network is not intended to be transactional. It is intended Mm -hmm. to be built on a relationship. And if no one ever asks you for help... Well, that's kind of an aha in itself, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) Yes, it is. Um, And then if you find just, this is just from the top of my head, if you find that there are people who, um, let's say, in the program, uh, they they get the aha, I haven't, no one has really contacted me for help. How Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that person? Is there some part of the program that helps them with this? Mm-hmm. They're in their peer groups. They're in their growth ah. groups talking to each other. Ah. You know, and what happens often, and I, I'm actually thinking of a particular person in New Orleans who had something similar to that, that aha moment, and someone in the growth group just gently talked to them about approachability. Right. You know, so it's, it's not just 
having the data, it's knowing how to act on it. Right. And giving a safe place to practice making changes in your behaviors. That, that's really a fundamental part of the program. Great. So I'd like to move on because there's, you know, because we have another area to cover during this segment. And um, I know you talked a bit about this uh, in the first segment, but let's do a little deeper dive. Uh, What are the biggest differences, as you see, in aspirations, behaviors and confidence levels? Mm -hmm. Well, just in talking to you, I was thinking more about aspirations. I do think that anecdotally, women tend to have less of a specific idea about their aspirations, about Mm -hmm. what they're trying to build. Um, We do an exercise about exit strategies, and the first time we bring it up, people are often not enthused. You know, they're there, I'm here to grow this, I don't necessarily want to think about how to get out of it. Mm -hmm. But if you think about our definition of creation of value, the only idea behind exit strategy is how are you going to eventually capture the value you've created? Mm-hmm. And, and that's the idea. Or are you just going to close the door and walk away or leave it for your kids to clean up? You know, that type of thing. So it's really, with aspirations, it is tying it to looking ahead and thinking, this is, this is a legacy that I'd some like to ha- you know, someday like to have. Part mm-hmm. of it's financial. Hopefully mm-hmm. part of it is social. Right. A lot of our business owners are, are very dedicated to their communities and the, mm-hmm. the good they can do for their communities. Right. So for us, it's really looking at, you know, how can I be entrepreneurial and make a difference? Okay. And is that true of, um, uh, you're saying that that women may not have the same aspirations? um, I think they're uh, less examined. Okay. You know, just, and then that's anecdotal, just from watching Mm-hmm. You know, thousands now of people going through 10,000 small businesses. Uh, we, we have hit our 6,000th number wow. of, of those related to the program. Okay. So just I have the, the gift of sitting in the back of the room so often and listening and watching and learning and mm-hmm. then trying to figure out, okay, now how do we fit that even more into our training program? Right, right. Um, so... Just moving on, because I know we didn't cover in the first segment uh, uh, much about behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about that and what are the biggest differences? Okay. With behaviors, you know, we do start with the opportunity obsession. And I said, again, I, I think that there's, in our slice of entrepreneurial people, I think there's less differences there. With the behaviors, one of my favorite anecdotes actually comes from a woman who was a clinical trials, owned owned a company for clinical trials in LaGuardia in Mm -hmm. in New York. And she was mapping time use. Now, all of our uh, people coming into the program map time use, and they almost uniformly say they're spending too much time on day-to-day and not enough on strategy. Mm -hmm. Right. This particular woman, to combine behaviors and, and confidence levels, said she recognized that she was spending most of her time in the areas in which she was most confident mm-hmm. and avoiding like the plague, <laughs> which is funny because it's a clinical trials company, um, avoiding like a plague, anything where she wasn't confident. Mm-hmm. That's something I, I think that, again, anecdotally, we may be seeing more with the women than the men. Although, when it comes to the financial statements, People in general tend to avoid those. Right. doesn't matter if it's men or women. (laughs) No, it doesn't. And I think that's a big point right there. 
And that can cause problems, I would imagine. Down. It causes huge problems. You know, it really does. You know, one of the things that they take away from it is, from the program, is understanding their financials well enough to be able to ask their CPA or bookkeepers the right questions. Right, right. So right. that's been, uniformly speaking, that's been a, a huge takeaway from the program. Um, and um, can you talk about an, another behavior that you see that crops up, and there may mm-hmm. be even differences? I would go back to something you mentioned about advisory boards ah. and the use of advisory boards. Anecdotally, I think what we're seeing is that women are less comfortable revealing what they think they don't know. Uh-huh. So, for instance, with an advisory board... The advisory board is most helpful when they understand your strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So avoiding talking about weaknesses actually puts up a big challenge for the advisory board and <laughs> makes it that they're not as helpful as they might possibly be. So one of the things we do work on is recognizing your strengths and your weaknesses and being comfortable talking about both. Both, yes. And what's interesting to me, because my first reaction would be that men would be less comfortable talking about their weaknesses. Um, but from your experience, it's the women. So, I think uh, so. Again, anecdotally, not a whole lot of data on that, but right. I think so. The, other, the flip side of that, though, again, and just in talking to you, I'm very comfortable saying that women do not talk about their strengths as often. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's, you know, very much something. Not nece- and that's not necessarily confidence-related. It's more, I think, culturally related. Mm-hmm. I agree. Y- yes. Um, and so and talk a little more about the advisory boards. We have a couple more minutes before the break. Um, mm-hmm. What are they and what's the advantage of having them and, and whatever you, you know, like to uh, expand on. Okay. I'm a a very big fan of advisory boards, and the sooner the better for Mm -hmm. companies, no matter how small. It doesn't have to be a giant board. You know, you can Mm -hmm. start with with two or three people. Mm -hmm. But I do like the formality of it. And what I mean by that is getting into a practice, setting up behaviors of, I have to prepare for this. Mm -hmm. I have Mm -hmm. to send the materials beforehand. Mm -hmm. There's an agenda. There's Mm -hmm. follow-up. And I can't keep going back to my board and saying I'm going to do something and never do it. So there's, right. it's really the accountability. Yes. Um, so that I think the preparation and the accountability are almost as important as the feedback you get. Well, you know, on that note, um, it is time for a short break. I'm Marcia Seidel, the Smart Moose Coach, and my guest is Patty Green, talking about what matters in being entrepreneurial, your aspirations, behaviors, and self-confidence. You're listening to The Business Edge on Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Have you heard the great news? Snelling has been awarded Best of Staffing by both clients and candidates for their remarkable service, an achievement less than 1% of all workforce solutions companies can claim. Simply put, Snelling's satisfaction scores are more than double the industry average. We call it People Plus, and you'll understand why when you give us a call. Call us at 1-800-411-6401 or visit our webpage at www.snelling.com. That's 1-800-411-6401 or S-N-E-L-L-I-N-G dot com. There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidal, the smart moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the business edge with marcia's idol to reach marcia or her guests on today's show please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you can also send us an email to marcia at smartmovescoach.com now back to the business edge Welcome back to the Business Edge. I'm Marcia Zidal, the Smart Moves Coach, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to grow great businesses that matter, those that do good and do well. My guest is Patty Green, talking about what matters in being entrepreneurial, your aspirations, behaviors, and self-confidence. Now we're going to focus on, you know, what I call the takeaways, uh, the the things that that you will remember, the advice that Patty is going to give from her vast experience, both from research, teaching, herself being an entrepreneur. So, Patty, what advice? What is your best advice for a woman starting a business and then growing a business? Mm-hmm. I think I have three main things I'm really focused on right now for advice, mm-hmm. and one comes straight out of the 10,000 Small Businesses Program. Consistently, since we started the program, men and women actually say that their number one challenge is really about market. It's about finding and keeping customers. Mm-hmm. So my advice is know your market intimately mm-hmm. and, by the, and the specifics of your market. So really, really understand who your customer is, and what pain point you're trying to, cha- to tackle because that will really define what business you're actually in for the moment. Okay. Um, the, yeah, please, what? Well, real quickly, um, how do they find the pain point? <laughs> That's the opportunity obsession. Okay. I mean, if they're currently in business, finding that pain point means talking to your customer. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Do you have an explicit time set up? where you do customer review. 
Um, we had one woman in the program who she had, th- it was three hours a month, she had on her calendar appointment with herself. That's when she really did customer review. She looked at data, you know, and she collected mm-hmm. things at her front desk. She collected mm-hmm. things from her receipts. You know, she knew who was buying what. You know, it's funny, at our store, I like to know revenue per foot, you know, that, <laughs> right. that type of thing. So it's really understanding what can I learn about my customers, how do I learn it, and when do I sit down to analyze it so I actually use it. And that's, that's a discipline. It's a behavior to be learned and practiced. Right. Great point. So what you said there were three things that you wanted the advice for women uh, starting mm-hmm. and growing a business. What's the second thing? Really being able to pitch, and here's the difference. Pitch your business, not your product or service. Mm. We do a lot of coaching with um, women getting them ready to do different types of talks. Um, we used to do it with, with Springboard Enterprises and helping people get ready to, to pitch, get, helping women get ready to pitch to venture capitalists. Mm-hmm. And so often, they're so enamored with their, their product or their service that they talk so much about that. But in reality, as the owner, you're almost a little past that. Mm-hmm. You're pitching your business if you mm-hmm. want to get capital. And you're pitching right. your business if you want someone to come work for you. And that is a mental shift that, I, again, I think takes practice. Right. Uh, so do you have um, uh, sessions where they do, uh, either in their peer, peer groups or their advisors, where they... So, uh, yep. They create their pitch and they give it, and then they get feedback. Am I correct? And on like that? you said, we have uh, you came in, I believe, to hear some of those pitches with Lynn O'Neill. Yes. You know, we have different times where they do it in different ways, pitching it to paired partners, so just mm-hmm. one other person, to a mm-hmm. growth group, which is smaller, to their whole class, which is usually between thir- around 35 people, and then to a larger audience. So getting used to doing it in very different ways, to very different people, different sizes of groups, mm-hmm. but that is definitely a practice, practice, practice. We call it the efficient, effective, compelling uh, approach to communication. Say that again, because uh, uh, I think it's a great fa- phrase, and I'm trying to write it down. So it's <laughs> efficient, the efficient, effective, compelling. It becomes sort of a jokey byword by all the business owners that take the program, but if, if you're talking to them and you just look at them and go, efficient, effective, compelling, they know exactly <laughs> that they need to get to the point. In other words, yes, get to the point. Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then what's the third thing? The third one is one we've really been working on lately, too. I mean, I know everyone gets to access to capital at some point in thinking mm-hmm. about should I or shouldn't I. I think women in particular really need to analyze their relationship with debt. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, most of us grew up being told, don't go into debt, don't go into debt, don't go into debt. You know, and, I mean, in thinking about that. In reality, though, growth often can occur more readily using somebody else's money. Right. Mm-hmm. So one thing we're, we're kind of testing is really helping people think about if debt is appropriate, are you comfortable renting somebody else's money. I mean, you'll mm. rent equipment, you'll rent mm-hmm. space, you'll hire employees, you know, you'll pay for all those other resources, but you're uncomfortable paying for, ca- for capital. Right. So I think really analyzing, you know, what is my relationship to debt? How do I feel about it? Data shows it from the program that using external capital 
you are more likely to grow and more likely to grow more. At the same time, you have to be comfortable with it. It has to be a fit for you. So I'm by no means saying everyone should get a business loan. I'm saying analyze your relationship to debt and think about is it a right resource for you to grow your business. You know, a thought that comes to my mind is um, – I think both of us may be of the same generation where, yes, you you're grow up with uh, don't go into debt or pay off your bills or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Do you see a difference in generations, especially the millennials, uh, around the issue of uh, you know going into debt and borrowing and things like that? I do think we see a difference. It's, it, I think it's early to tell. But I think all the changing business models coming out of larger the millennial generation about, you know, crowdfunding and co-ventures and different ways of using resources without having to own them, I think that's highly entrepreneurial, and I think we all need to be learning and seeing how that works. Right. Um, I know you said three, and we still have a little more time. Would you like to add a fourth or a fifth? (laughs) Yeah, Always have, uh, have, I, I would go back to have an advisory board. Okay. You know, and, but manage the advisory board well. You know, we didn't talk about compensation for advisory boards, and that's usually a, a question I get quite often. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're starting small, advisory boards don't ex- usually expect to be compensated. Okay. You know, a nice meal, some t- <laughs> a, a thank you goes a very long way, that type of thing. As your business grows and your advisory board grows and people, you may change out the people in there, you know, maybe at some point then you can think about what kind of compensation is appropriate and there's lots of good information about, there, about that out there. But I wouldn't be intimidated by it uh, when you're first starting. So I, having an advisory board, incredibly important. And who should make up that advisory board? It's a good question. Usually you want somebody in the earlier days of your business, you, you're looking for three main things. Mm-hmm. You want somebody that actually knows about starting. You know, what does it take to actually start it and get it going? And then again, I'm talking an, an early day business. Mm-hmm. You want somebody who knows something about your industry. Mm-hmm. You can have that kind of expertise. And you want somebody who knows about general management. How do I make all these things that I have to do fit together? Right, right. And if you put those three together, you've got a pretty strong basis for at least an early advisory board while layering over that or, or integrating into it, what are your weaknesses? Mm-hmm. You know, if you are weak on the financial statements, who can give good advice about that? You know, if you do feel less comfortable about marketing, you know, who, who do you know that's very, very strong in that? But if you put those areas together you're usually in pretty good shape to start. And what about, you said these were, you know, um, that are starting advisory boards for those who are just starting. Um, Do you recommend um, advisory boards for those who are, you know, actually, you know, started their business, growing their business now? I think any growing business that doesn't have an advisory board is really missing a huge resource. Okay. You know, Mm -hmm. yes, it takes time. But the fact of the matter is you don't have to do this alone. Mm-hmm. And frankly, experienced people generally love to be asked for their <laughs> advice. You know, think of what we said about occupational hazard. I can always see another way to do this. <laughs> you, know, you think of, you know, Marcia, when someone asks you for help, how do you feel? I feel great. I feel exactly. great. 
Exactly. I, it's it's a compliment. A- oh, my gosh, somebody thinks I'm, I, I know something and, and can be of help. And frankly, if they say no, you know, it may be they don't have time, understood, mm-hmm. or they just mm-hmm. say no. If you're starting or growing a business and you can't take a no, you should probably <laughs> rethink it. Right. And I think the point that I want to make on this is, yes, I'm very, I'm flattered and I do want to help people. And, and, but there is an accountability piece to that as well, mm-hmm. which is they, you know, they, they need to move forward on that advice or let me know that that's not going to work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, it's not just going to asking people, you know, to flatter them, but are you really going to take that advice? Are you going to move forward with that? Um, and I'm sure you feel. Agree. Yeah, I know. I completely, I have kind of a three strikes thing, you know, I'll go to three. And if you haven't, if I've worked harder to get ready for the meeting than you have, uh-huh. probably not a fit. Right, right. Um, so, um, Right now, um, I want to thank you so much for this great advice and and great um, interview. It's been it's just been delightful. And um, so, where can we get more information uh, about the uh, the ten k uh, small business program? Mm-hmm. The the website that's probably the best is at ten k sb apply. Mm-hmm which will take you right to learning about which sites. You know, we, we, we do about three cohorts a year at each of the sites, so you can mm-hmm. see where the sites are, and, but they apply at any time, that mm-hmm. type of thing. Uh, on the Goldman Sachs sites, Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses, there's wonderful stories about many of our alumni. And I think seeing the diversity of people that have gone through the program and the diversity of their businesses really shows that this is a very broad reach and a broad applicability. So th- those are probably the two best, the best places. And if they wanted to contact you directly, how might they do that? Email. I'm old school, and I think it's funny that email is old school, but it is. <laughs> so it's uh, just my last name, Green, G-R-E-E-N-E, right. at babson.edu. And it's B-A-B-S-O-N, correct? Absolutely. Best school in the world for entrepreneurship. No biases there. Well, um, again, I want to thank you so much um, for your time and for your advice and for your resources. And I'd love to have you back because I I think you have so much to offer. Thank you. Well, thank you, Marcia. It's It's really been fun talking with you about all of this. So thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Well, next week's program to bring you more magic to your leadership and business is health insurance and workplace wellness for small businesses. Should small businesses be offering workplace wellness programs? Should they continue to offer health insurance or should they send their employees to the Affordable Care Act health uh, insurance marketplace? How do small businesses differ from large corporations and how they handle health insurance? You will get these answers to these questions and many more more from Steve Jacob, author of Healthcare in 2002, and also author of So Long, Marcus Welby, MD. He's currently a senior marketing and public relations consultant for Baylor Scott & White, the largest nonprofit healthcare system in Texas. Tune in Friday, April 1st at noon Pacific and 3 p.m. Eastern. 
Here's a smart moves tip for your for the week. Hunt elephants, not stomp ants. Every day, go after your high payoff priorities. Minimize the time spent on stopping ants. Those tasks that give you a quicker kill and a higher body count, but don't punch, put much meat on the table. Are you an elephant hunter or an ant stopper? Here's how to find out. Let's do a productivity audit. Contact me at Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at small smartmovescoach.com or call 972-380-9181. Thank you for listening to The Business Edge um, with Marcia Zidal, the Smart Moves Coach and Speaker, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to move from innovative startup to productive scale-up to profitable enterprise. Remember, to be successful, you must get outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. Thank you. You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves Coach. Join us again next Friday, noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Make the leap from a stressful to a successful business.